What's up, Warriors? Welcome again to another Warrior Wisdom. We're so thankful you're joining us here tonight. This is going to be a great one. Uh, you know, they really all are, and especially when I have a guest in, I just I just feel so blessed and so honored that people want to come on Warrior Wisdom. And I try to give you the most bang for the buck. And tonight, I'll just tell you what, right now, this is one you're going to want to share far and wide with everybody in your uh, social sphere of influence. You're going to want to jump, have grab other men, men that you care about, men that you love, men um, uh, that are in your church, men that are you surround yourself with. You're going to want to share this with them right now. Get into the uh, get into the share button down there and share this with some of the you love and care about uh, man in your life. It's not just for men, but it is going to be men oriented when we're talking about how Jesus and Christ is the model for masculinity and how we're we're kind of losing that nowadays. And so here at Warrior Wisdom, I want to get you to align to what we believe here. Uh, one of our guiding biblical principles is Proverbs 18:15, and it says that this, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge in the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Now, if you have those people in your, in your life that are former Marines or firefighters and you want to break it down a little bit more for them so they can understand, go to the easy read version of the Bible and it says it this way. Wise people want to learn more, so they listen closely to gain knowledge. And I joke because, uh, obviously, Marines don't read. Uh, they use crayons and stuff like that. Just joking again, Marines. I love you all out there. You guys, you guys saved my bacon a couple times. Love my brothers in the Marine Corps and love all the services out there. So here at Protectors Toolkit, one of the things that we really believe, one of the things that I believe and has been, has been a success in my life is, is the mantra or the, the idea that leaders are readers. Leaders are readers. Leaders are constant learners. Look, I've been doing law enforcement for over 25 years. I had uh, almost 10 years in the military prior to that. And everywhere that I was a leader, I was a better leader because I was a reader, because I got into words and I uh, tried to understand everything that was going on about, around me and sharpen myself. So I am a, a reader. I am a, a constant learner. I think you are too, you warriors out there. Those guys and gals that do it at the church and also for your business, wherever you are, whether you're a CEO uh, or you're a first line manager or supervisor, people, you should be a reader. You should be a learner uh, every step of the way. And here at Protectors Toolkit and GuyBeverage.com or Guy Beverage and Associates. We certainly believe that. Now, my first call to action for you all, obviously, I'm going to steal from Bill O'Reilly right here. Name and church, name and church, or name and town, or name and business, please, if you want to opine or you want to uh, give a shout out or a comment out there. And I think uh, you're going to want to comment. You're going to want to give us some of your feedback. So please do that. Get into the comment section. Uh, trust me, it's very friendly in there. I see Oscar's already dropping in there. Zoff, my brother from another mother. I love you, brother. I'm glad you're dropping in. Uh, man, you sharpen me like nothing else. And so thank you for joining us tonight when I talk uh, from, with my friend here. So I do want to get into it. I don't want to leave him just sitting out there on the sidelines because this guy right here, let me tell you, uh, I got to give a special shout out to Stephanie Hoffman. She's our director. Uh, and leader within the customer success team. She is uh, the guy, the gal that you go to when you have a problem, either at Guy Beverage and Associates or Protectors Toolkit that solves all your problems behind the scenes. She is awesome. She brought Josh K to me as something she had come across uh, listening to a YouTube video uh, that he was on with somebody else. And man, once I started listening to that, I got involved with Josh K, uh, my life improved. Josh is just one of those guys that you feel better when you are around him. So I'm going to bring Josh in. Josh is the author of the standard, uh, Discovering Jesus is the Standard for Masculinity. He's also the creator of the Standard 59. And the mission there at the Standard 59 is to call men to raise the standard in our lives. Whether you believe it or not, we do need to raise the standard in our lives. We always have that opportunity for further success or to further sharpen ourselves. For too long, men have relinquished the high ground, so to speak, and we're living below what we're called to be. And my gosh, Josh, thank you for being on tonight. 
Guy, I am excited to be here. Thanks for having me. And what's up, Warriors? Awesome to be with you guys. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Josh. You know, uh, uh, the elevators pitch or, or whatever you want to do there. Yeah. So, um, well, first of all, I'm honored to be here. So thanks again for having me on. You know, I had a chance to listen to your podcast, Guy, and I got connected because you might have dropped a comment or something somewhere. I saw you, I looked you up and I'm like, wow, this guy is like, we're cut from the same cloth. We're running after the same thing. And I love just meeting up with like-minded, powerful brothers that are serving the Lord, right? It's just, it's just awesome to connect with you and your tribe here. Uh, my elevator pitch is, you know, I was, uh, I was brought up in a Christian home and along the way I had to make that decision for myself that I really want to go all in on following Jesus and I've been walking with him and serving him for the majority of my life. Being raised in that Christian environment was really fortunate and an awesome blessing to come from parents that served the Lord and brought me up the right way. And now I'm passing that legacy on with my family. So I'm married, I have three children. Um, they're doing great. Their ages range from five to 12. And uh, it's crazy because it's summertime right now, guys. So they're home and I work from home. So it's a little nuts around here. Uh, but in terms of what I do, so my my full-time job is I work for a pharma company. So I've been in sales, I've been in leadership, I'm in the market access division, and I love what I do. I've been blessed, I've been promoted, I've been able to excel in the corporate environment. Uh, but one of the things that I tell a lot of people that I meet is we're not defined by what we do for a living. It's not about what I do, where I punch the clock, and what I do from nine to five. You know, my first and foremost, I find first and foremost, I find my identity in being a son and a disciple. And that's really what I'm passionate about. And that's how we got connected here because of the work around the standard. And I'm excited to get into it with you. Yeah, you know, that that's something it when I started in law enforcement, you know, it, it was a, it was a different time. Uh, I started back in the uh, late uh, late 90s. And it was, man, I got a badge and a gun and you better do what I tell you to do, right? Before video cameras, before cell phone cameras and slowly evolving in my Christian walk, my walk with Christ, I realized, you know, the uniform for me initially, it was the uniform's who I am. And I started evolving away from that. The uniform is something I put on top of who I am. The uniform is something I go out every day and put on because obviously it's it's a poor taste to walk around naked in public, number one. Uh, but the department really liked me to wear the uniform that they had provided to me. But that's that's just surface, right? Underneath who I am has to come through that every single day. Everybody gets respect. Everybody gets uh, honor uh, and love from me uh, as a police officer, first and foremost, because I get it every day from God. So he gives it to me in abundance. And I, and I teach this to my kids too. Uh, and I, I know we're the, we're the same way in this because I get it in abundance, meaning I can't even hold it all in my hand. I've got to give some of it away. I, I, I'm told to give it away, quite frankly. And so I instill that in my kids and I, and I try to live my life that way every single day because I have that abundance. And, and now in, in, in the world that we're living in, I, I think I like to hope that that I'm not abnormal in that in my profession. Uh, I think we're seeing more and more that we're we're just people who happen to be having a different uniform, and we're interacting with people who are largely having the worst part of their life at that point that we're interacting with them. So, you know, be, being a, a, a son, like you said, and living living a, as an example of Christ to everybody else, everybody I come in contact with, is so so important to me every single day. Yeah. You know, the, the book right here, the standard guys, I, I 
this is not a shill or anything like that. I got this book and boy, I, I read it cover to cover uh, right away. Then I went back and picked it apart and highlighted things. And uh, and then Josh was kind enough to send me uh, an autographed one. Um, and gosh, this thing right here is just, it's spoken so deeply to my heart uh, about, about who I know that I'm serving, right? And so, but what we're seeing nowadays, I think, Josh, and you can speak to this, is we're seeing more and more watered down Christ, right? We're seeing a milk toast version, uh, more and more of Christ. Would you would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I will. I, I have a few thoughts on this guy. And before I get into it, first of all, I just want to recognize you for what you're doing day in and day out, putting the uniform on. And I want to thank you and honor you for your service. And also for the, all the guys that are part of this tribe, because I know you have a lot of law enforcement, ex-military. So thank you. We honor you. You're appreciated. And um you know, just thanks for all that you do out there. You are appreciated. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, when it comes to, you know, this current image of Jesus, you know, it depends on your cultural background, depends where you are, um, you know, the upbringing you brought up in, you were brought up in. And even now, you know, guy, we have an issue where there's a lot of Bible, biblical illiteracy, where people don't even go to church anymore. They don't know Bible stories. You know, as I see as my kids mix or there might be at the playground or you get a chance to talk to younger people, you'll find out the stories of the Bible, the historical truth of the Bible um, is just relatively unknown, which each generation that comes up. So we have some work to do. Um, but if we look at where we are currently, um, one of the topics I touch on in the book, just setting the stage of why I wanted to present Jesus and show him um, as the model for true manhood and true biblical masculinity is because Christianity has been feminized over the last couple hundred years. And it, it started you know, around the turn of the industrial revolution when men left their home and they left their post as the leader of their home and they went into the workforce. And as they did that, as they moved into the cities, as they started working in the industrial complex, um, they left the leadership, specifically the spiritual leadership, mostly to the wives. They handed it over and they relinquished their post and over time, what happened was the women started going to church. The guys were palling around at the work at, on the job site. Um, less and less, they, they were tired. They didn't want to go to the church buildings and congregate anymore. So the services started to adapt and started to adjust um, to meet the need of the members, which were mostly women. So you start getting these flower arrangements. You start getting the pastel colors and some of the feminine imagery. And that has still stayed with us, surprisingly. It's starting to erode. Um, and a lot of new uh, new churches that are coming up now, we don't see it as much, but there's still this traditional view which feeds in from the world's perspective that Christianity is weak, Jesus is weak, he's this image of, you know, I think the most common image is he's a peaceful, you know, hippie-like guy, long hair, kind of roams the countryside, preaches this, this uh, message of love and acceptance, and um, that's one side but that's totally inaccurate when you look at the whole of who picture of who Jesus is, what he does, what he came to accomplish, and what he models for us as men. Yeah, yeah, that, that's absolutely right. You know, the there's a there's three major general orders in the military that give you, you and you memorize these or beat into you uh, figuratively sometimes. Uh, the first general order is I will not quit my post until properly relieved. And that's that's always stuck with me, obviously, in, in that sort of environment. But it, it, it's carried with me throughout life. I will not quit my post. You said, you know, talking about the post at the home to be the spiritual leader. I won't quit my post until properly relieved. And what does that look like? Well, we either pass away 
uh, and and transcend, or we give it up and we relinquish it. So I can't quit my post unless I'm properly relieved. And we have to hold that near and dear to our heart and remember who we are supposed to be in our house, right? Yeah, first and foremost, you know, um, if we look at our mandate in the garden, you know, we have, we were given dominion over a place, a geography. Um, we relinquished that, but we still have, um, and, you know, and the Lord brings that back to us, but we had a place, we had a woman to watch out for, a family, you know, and this was our, our first ministry. And I still believe if we look at, you know, the images that God gives us of how the church relates to Jesus, you know, one of them is family. Um, we are family. We're a part of God's family. That's our first and foremost ministry. So one of the things that I like to say, it's become my thesis, is that all men are created to be leaders, but not all men lead. Because right now we're seeing an absence of leadership in many of these dimensions. And I, I look at three spheres first. You know, the first thing we have to do is we have to learn how to lead ourselves. I can't lead my family if I'm not leading myself. I can't lead people around me if I'm not taking care of myself and exhibiting self-leadership with the way I govern my actions, with the way I submit my life to the Lord and the way that looks when I walk that out. Next, I have to lead my family. You know, and that's my next sphere of leadership after I can lead myself is in, and I'm doing that even in like for any single guys that are listening, learn how to lead yourself now because that's preparation for when you get married. And when you get married, you're leading your family, you're leading your wife, you're leading your children. And then after that, we're now qualified if we stored that well, that we can lead our sphere of influence, that place that God has placed us into. And based on how we stored that, the connections, the networks, what God has placed into our hands, that will determine you know, our ascendancy into promotion and expanding that sphere of influence, which we're called the lead. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen. I mean, that'll preach right there. Guys, if you're joining right now, we're talking to Josh Kay uh, from the Standard, Standard 59, uh, about Jesus Christ as the model of masculinity for us. I want you to go share this right now. Down at the bottom, hit that share button. Share with somebody in your life, a man in your life uh, that you know will be blessed by this. And also jump into the comments. I see you, Oscar. Uh, help me out right there. I'll guard everything within the limits of my post and quit my post only when properly relieved. Absolutely. Uh, and tell us where you're listening from. Yeah, name of your business, name of your church and uh, the city and state that you're listening from too. And don't be afraid to get into those comment sections. Yes, I'll read most of them online, but nobody's gonna, nobody's here to make fun of you. We're all here to sharpen one another. That, that's the design of this program. Um, you know, Josh, as I travel around and you travel around too and speak and teach, I've, I've come across so many Christian men uh, who struggle to see Christ as a warrior, right? I, I'm very fond of calling everybody that, that listens to me talk uh, a warrior because you are a warrior. And it tells us very early on in the Bible, right? Uh, right in Exodus 15.3, everything we need to know, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. It says it in there. Uh, Psalm 144, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war. I think we all know that one and my fingers for battle. Uh, so many passages in the Bible that just talk about Christ or the Lord being a warrior, uh, and being that strong vision that we have when we think of the word warrior. Uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, he tells the church, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Again, that, that vision of being a warrior. Uh, and Revelations 19, uh, some people call it the great, the good part of the Bible where we understand what's, what's coming somewhat. Uh, John paints that amazing picture of how uh, Christ comes back. Uh, he's on a he's on a white horse, glorious white robes. But what? How does he look? He's got blood stained 
uh, on his robe, and he's got a sword coming out of his mouth. Now, if that isn't the in image of a warrior uh, and who I serve, uh, I mean, there's really nothing else I can say there. And I teach this all, always about this vision, because even as a young man, uh, a teenager, we look at look at the money changers in the temple, right? So he goes in there, uh, Christ, uh, Jesus, he goes in there, he's very upset. And the tape, when he talked about flipping the tables, we're not mm -hmm. talking about a desk like we would think about. We're not talking about a card table. We're talking about hunks of trees that were just made flat enough to be a table. And he's handily just flipping these things over. And then also in the warrior mindset, fashions or gets a hold of enough stuff to make a whip and starts going to work with that thing. Yeah. So this is who I serve, right? As a warrior, I'm standing up and this is my idea. This is my vision. And I hate that we water that down so much. And I think what, where that comes from um, is because everybody, whether you're whether you're saved or not, everybody remembers from the Sermon on the Mount where we talked about turning the other cheek, right? We always hear about that. So, you know, why do you think, in your opinion, why do we struggle to find this version of Christ these days? Yeah. So I'm going to back up on that question a little bit. I'm going to talk about uh, a core concept and a core truth that basically sets up the book, The Standard. So Jesus Christ is the Son of God, fully equivalent to God. He is the Messiah. He died for our sins, resurrected on the third day. Um, we serve him, and he's eternally King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. The church knows him as that, thank God, and we recognize him as that. We don't have a problem with that. Christians don't have a problem with that. But the the other side of the coin that we don't really look at as much, it's not taught as much, and it's this side that makes Jesus, um, you know, we like to, as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, what I've observed, Guy, is that people keep Jesus at a distance a little bit. Like he is yeah. the Lord, he is the King, but I, I don't feel like I can draw close. I feel like um, I don't know if I can walk with him to the degree. I don't know how accessible Jesus is to me. And what you just painted a picture of, and what I try and paint a picture of in the standard, is really showing this other title that Jesus goes by, Old Testament prophecy. And it, I actually would say it's his favorite self-descriptor. So he is the son of God, but he referred to himself most commonly as the son of man. And that title identifies him in his humanity, that he left everything and came to earth and chose to self-limit his power and walk the earth under the frailty of a human frame, that he lived and breathed in the same flesh and blood body, being completely God and completely human at the same time, um, totally sinless, but in a human body. And when we present that picture and we start looking at the way he grew and he excelled with favor with God and with man and how he worked three quarters of his life, over three quarters, the first 30 years of his life, most likely as a carpenter or as a builder, you know, probably working with stones as a mason, as a carpenter, working with wood um, in the town of Nazareth, that this was a real man. He worked with his hands. Um, he didn't grow up as a rabbi. He could have came into Earth's atmosphere as any station in life that he chose. Um, and he chose to come in as a blue collar worker. You know, that's who he relates to. Just the ordinary people, the ordinary town where when Philip sees them, you know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So just the most ordinary circumstances. Right. And I like Jesus is relatable. Jesus is a guy that Peter and John and like the fishermen and the marketplace guy said, all right, we'll follow this guy. Right. So he's real. He's accessible. He's raw and he's relevant. 
And that's really what the book, The Standard, wants to, you know, that was my heart in projecting is let's make Jesus real and accessible. And that gets to the heart of your question, Guy, because we're talking about like we have this pristine version of Jesus and we see him as full of love and many know him as the lamb. And he is the lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. But what we don't highlight enough, in my opinion, is he's also the lion. He's also the warrior. He's the conquering warrior. He's the son of man who conquered death, hell, and the grave. And within the pages of the standard, I'm pointing out all those attributes that he walked and modeled and sets the standard for us in his human flesh. Things that we can follow through the power of the spirit, not that we're doing it on our own good works, but he's the model. He's the prototype of what biblical manhood and perfected manhood looks like. Yeah, you know, you, you made a great point there, and I, I think it's uh, it's relevant to highlight that, you know, we keep him at a distance, right? We, we Yes, Lord of Lords, he's on a throne. He sits on a throne today. Uh, he's the same as he was yesterday, and, and he's going to be the same today. And so we keep him at that high exalted. But one of my favorite passages from the Bible, I'll, I'll just tell you, uh, there's so many of them, but it comes in Luke 15. Uh, one and two, tax collectors and other notorious sinners, right? That term notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus. Mm -hmm. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. I love that. I, if, I, if I developed a motorcycle gang, it would be the notorious sinners because I, I myself am a notorious sinner, and that makes me relatable, or it makes Jesus relatable to me, because what we what we miss sometimes, I think, as Christians, is that when Jesus come back comes back, he's going to be so overjoyed to see us and meet with us and hang out with us. And I don't I don't necessarily think that's true. Yes, he'll have that joy in his heart and happiness for us because we know who he is and we're saved, but. Just like the woman at the well, just like uh, Peter himself, you know, uh, how, he, you know, he was a notorious sinner, just like all the notorious sinners that he hung out with. That's who he resonates with, because that's who he needs to convince and change attitudes and minds. And so, boy, that, you know, that just hits the nail on the head when we keep him at that arm's distance and we put him so far above us that it seems unreachable. We, we just need to look into Luke and say, hey, now he was hanging out with notorious sinners all the time. And I, I just love that illustration. Yeah. And when they're in his presence, you know, the other thing is they're forced to change. You know, there yeah. there's a conviction that he carries. So he finds Peter, right? And he finds Peter as a notorious sinner, but then Peter is transformed. You know, right. we watch this journey of this man go from an ordinary man, a marketplace guy, um, a guy who speaks first before he thinks, right? He's a stubborn, hard-headed, strong-willed dude. And um, he gets transformed and we see him go from making mistakes and stumbling and you know tripping over his words and saying stuff where the Lord literally has to rebuke Peter. And then fast forward to Acts chapter two and we see Peter standing up with boldness and power, full of the Holy Spirit and proclaiming the gospel to 3,000 people. After yeah. a couple chapters back, he denied the Lord three times. So yeah, yeah. the power of a, of an interaction, of an encounter with Jesus, right? So he attracts you ordinary, but he doesn't leave you that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I don't mind pitching this. Uh, have you seen The Chosen? Have you watched yeah. The Chosen? Yeah. That, I'll tell you, for me personally, that's that's who I serve. Yeah. The, the way that you're portraying Jesus and just that, that small interaction, that first interaction with Peter and Jesus on the shoreline, 
you know, put down the net. And, he, and he's like, look, I don't want to quarrel with you, Rabbi, but we've been yeah. doing this all night. And he, and he yeah. just kind of gives that head nod, like, hey, man, do what I ask you to do. And, and then, of course, the boat's just overflowing with fish. And I just, I, I love that that kind of, hey, I'm, I'm one of the guys here. You know, I'm, I'm here with you. I understand your struggles. I'm going to walk every step of the way with you. I just love that. Yeah. I love it too. And you know, what I love about the way they portray Jesus and the chosen, um, a lot of the movies uh, that we have of Jesus from, you know, years ago, they make him very stoic. They make yeah. him very emotionless, you know, almost like he's floating, walking around. And then we look at Jesus and the chosen. You know what I like about that Jesus? They made him happy. You know, he's got a personality, you know, yeah. he's not this like, you know, philosopher that just is always stoic and doesn't have expression. You know, he laughs, he cries, he can show emotion, he's strong, he relates to people, he demonstrates empathy, he has EQ. Um, you know, that that's a great portrayal of Jesus, as much as we can do, with, you know, earthly means. Yeah, I see my friend Zoff chiming in, saying the Chosen's awesome. Peter and Jesus on the beach made me cry. Listen, I'm going to tell you, Zoff, just about every episode makes me cry. Uh, and then, of course, laugh hysterically at some of his, you know, uh, talking about the, being assaulted on the road. And, and he's talking to the guy who did the assaulting. And uh, he says, you know, you never know who you're going to meet on the road out there. They may assault you, something along those lines. It just, it's so relatable. It just brings him into who I know him to be. And I just, uh, Dallas Jenkins, if you're listening, I'd love to be on your show or interview you. So come on my show, whatever, however it is. Just a shameless pitch right there while we're at yeah, it. Make it happen. Make it yeah. happen. Hey, God, um, I want to go to something you said earlier that we didn't fully get to, which was when Jesus flipped the tables, yeah. you know, and, and this really resonates with me for your crew, because you guys are defenders of the weak. You stand up for justice. Um, you're law enforcement. And, um, you know, when I looked at that and I wrote about that because I have a whole section of the book, there's a dimension of confrontation that I cover that Jesus demonstrates and that as men, we have to make sure we get it. But when we look at that exact example, when he went into the temple and he flipped the tables, um, he did it for, you know, we could say there's a couple reasons there, but as I was researching that, what I found was that the way they had the temple set up and the way the tables were, they were blocking the entrance from the lame and the weak from getting into where they were supposed to get into from an area. They had it walled off where you had to come in and see the merchants first. And it really was a deep injustice that bothered Jesus. So this whole theme of injustice, standing up for what's right, um, confronting injustice is what Jesus does in that example. And then right after he flips it, we see the softer side where he goes and he's with the children. You know, he was doing it to make a way for the downtrodden. He was doing it to make a way for the ones that were being taken advantage of by the political and the religious systems. Yeah, and it's, a, and it's a constant theme, and it's a constant thing that, that Christ does for us every day. He makes the way for us, right? A lamp to our feet, a uh, light for our path. He, he Every single day that's there for us. He, he removes all the obstacles, and it's us sometimes as men who put obstacles in our own path a lot of times, you know. Uh, and, and another example I just love in the Bible, and I put it in a different context when I'm talking to the warriors. You know, you think about... Uh, Christ as a warrior, and you look at when the guards finally came to take him, right? Mm. And uh, so then you have one of the disciples cut off one of the guards' ears, and so you can imagine how that goes, right? It just the, the ear flops on the ground. But the yeah. thing I like to put into perspective: if you don't think of Christ as a warrior, number one, how hard would it be for you to take a short sword like a Zyphos or something like that, pull it out of your pull it out of your sheath, and cut? 
only someone's ear off because that's all it says it did. It cut his ear off. Didn't hit his shoulder. Didn't hit his clavicle or anything like that. Just handily only cut the ear off. It goes on the ground. And now I can just picture Christ saying like, okay, you see what we're capable of. We've been doing training because that requires a lot of training to be able to do something with that much precision with that type of weapon. And then, you know, of course, he's just picks up the ear, puts it back on and just kind of I can just see a smirk like, hey, man, we this could have gone a lot differently. I'm surrendering I'm surrendering myself to you because uh, you guys came at me. You could have had me in the public square at any time. But you came at me like this. I'm just showing you what we were capable of. And it's just not the time right now. Yeah. And you know what I love about that story is and this gets overlooked sometimes. But when they're looking for him. And they call out, who is Jesus? And they're looking because they're expecting, right? They're expecting he's hiding. It's nighttime. They're not expecting he's going to own it. And he fully steps up and owns his identity. And it's just simple. I am he. And when he says it, it says they backpedaled. They fell down. They fell on each other because they were so um, astonished by a guy just came forward and said, I am he. He owns his identity even when it's an earthly disadvantage to him. He steps forward and just models courageousness, and that's that's true manhood right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. So now, Josh, you know, with the standard and, and everything that you take in, what are some of the biggest struggles Christian men are, are facing today? Um, you know, I think there's a few things, right? There's a lot because we have a lot of distractions. So there's a lot of distractions in our present day. Um there's a lot of comparison and all these things, they, they lend to, uh, to pulling us down. So I think one of the things is it comes down to men need a mission. You know, we need to know our assignment and what we're doing because when we're not, we get bored. Um, and if we look at Adam and if we even dissect what happened with that temptation in the garden and where things started to go backwards, it's when he abandoned his post. He should have been cultivating. He should have been working. He should have been doing the work that the Lord called him to do, but instead he got distracted and he starts entertaining a conversation he should have never had. He was there with Eve by her side the whole time. And he allowed this to happen on his watch. And I could say that part of that was probably led because he abandoned his post. And there's a link with boredom and just being passive just giving up ground because you're just not in the game anymore. And I think that's one of the biggest things we have right now is men are in a, you know, lethargic state, passive, um, just living good enough lives. Like you say, it's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. You agree with that or where are you at with it? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I I absolutely do. There's so much distraction in our lives nowadays. And I I talk about this, uh, especially with uh, any of the active shooter or active violence courses that I teach that, Man, we, we live one foot in front of our face nowadays, yeah. right? Uh, that's where everything comes in. It, whether it's children or it's men, we're moving far. It, even though we're more connected as a society than we ever have been at any other point in history, we're less connected to each other than we than we ever have been. We, we have so many distractions that happen one foot in front of our face. We have all these obstacles that we set up for ourselves. And, and I really think, quite frankly, that we have a, a, a significant amount of normalcy bias uh, that's building up within ourselves because unless something personally happens to me to get my attention, I don't believe anything's going to happen to me to get my attention. I don't think that Christ is just going to condemn me. I don't think a, a whale is going to swallow me, although we did see that in a, a new story recently. Um, I don't think that um, you know my brothers are going to sell me into slavery. 
these these things just are biblical things. They're things I read in a book or th- stories that I heard, uh, par- parables that I got. But it's not really about me. Uh, I'm good with Christ. I show up to church on Sundays. And so we allow those distractions to, to come into our life. And I'm guilty of it, too. You know, I have to really make sure that I'm laying down the right foundation, not only for myself, but also for the kids. And what I what I found to be very helpful is to kind of think of myself as a CEO of a company. I My company is me and my household, and I've got to make sure that I'm putting the right things into the employees, the wife and children that I should be doing because I surround myself with a good board of directors. Uh, and those are other men who understand who Christ is, who uh, understand that he is a warrior and hold, and I want them to hold me accountable for the things I need to be held accountable for. So I give a good return on the investment that I've been given from God, right? I've got to, I've got to return everything better than how I got it. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Those distractions, we take ourselves off the path. We, uh, and then the normalcy bias obviously just impacts all of us. Yeah. And I think what you just explained there, guy, it's just, you know, day in and day out, you know, we're used to it. We're numb. You know, we're numb. What we see, hey, something's going to happen to me. I'm good enough. We just skate by in life. And, um, you know, the answer really, it's it's not so much religious duty. I love disciplines and I love, you know, reading my word when I feel like it and when I don't. We definitely need those disciplines. But what we really need is we need an encounter. We need an encounter with the Lord where we really get into his presence and he gets a hold of us. And, you know, we seek him until we get what we need. And he gets a hold of us where we're living on fire for him. You know, we just got done talking about the disciples. You know, these are guys that changed the entire world because they had an encounter with Jesus. Not just an encounter, not just an encounter with the Bible. And, you know, hear me when I say that. It wasn't just a religious document. It was a living person that changed their life. It wasn't an encounter just with a church or a church building. And Jesus, obviously, we gather. You know, I'm not coming against church and reading your word by any means. That's God's word. He is the word. But he is the word, right? So we need to encounter the living word. And we need to meet with him and let him change us and transform us. Yeah, and I I think really, you know, when when we have the power to move mountains, I can say if I have the right amount of faith, the, the largest amount of faith possible and i can tell a mountain to move and it will move i think over the ages because we've gotten further and further away from that real encounter that we've watered down our own power too and a lot of times that affects our life we don't we don't believe we even have that power or ability anymore right because no i can't move a mountain but yeah you could right you could you have the power to bring people back from the dead Hmm. if you have the right amount of faith and listen i don't I, I hope and pray, and this this is in earnest, that I never have to have the test that Job had. I want to make sure every day I'm, I'm building and I'm putting in and I'm speaking that everything is for God, everything is for Christ, and I live for him, and I want him every day to impregnate me with what he needs me to do for him every day because I don't, I don't want that kind of test of my faith. Yeah. You know, we have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. The same Holy Spirit that caused Jesus to come out of that grave with force, with velocity and with power, that Holy Spirit lives within us. 
and you know also lives within our children when they accept the lord you know they don't get a junior version of the holy spirit so it's the same spirit that lives within us and moves within us so we have access to all those treasures and access to all the resources of heaven um, that the lord allows us to have so yeah we need to be walking in authority and of course you know you you deal with you know we'll say an enemy in law enforcement you deal with you know perps and, and different people that are you know, running various schemes. And we deal with an enemy in the spirit realm yeah. who wants to convince us that we're powerless or wants to convince us um, you can't do that today or that's not for you or you don't have access to those resources you think you have. And, you know, that's the fight that we're in. So when we become a Christian, um, we're actually born into a battle. You know, this, this it's a clash of two kingdoms. And um, that's what we're wrestling over. And that's what we're fighting for territory. And even though it's ours rightfully, we're still experientially walking that out, what that looks like to take territory, to fight back. And I'm not talking in terms of a revolution with physical weapons when I say this, but this is that spiritual battle because we wrestle forces, principalities, rulers in high places. So we're not wrestling people, we're not wrestling people, but there is a spirit behind what we see happening in our culture and what we see happening around us. And we need it, we need to know, and we are equipped to fight those battles. But that's a different way of showing up. Yeah, absolutely. Amen to that. So we, you know, talking about the the struggles for the Christian man and 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 re- and recognizing Christ as, as a model for masculinity for us. And and you know, we've heard so even J- the Gillette commercial, right? It came out as oh, that's that's just mansplaining or that's that's too much masculinity right there. And so we get that from society. How how can we battle or how do we start overcoming some of that? Uh, as men? Yeah, you know, I think the answer is biblical masculinity. It's showing the world what real men are. You know, we need more men. We don't need less men. We need more men, but we need real men. And we need real men that are following in the footsteps of the standard. And that's why I wrote the standard. So, um, you know, here's the here's the overarching theme, Guy, is that there's six dimensions that I point out in the book. Um, you know, how Jesus lived a life where he mastered himself. This is the path of a disciple. And it's what we talked about earlier with self-leadership, you know, mastering yourself, living a life of discipline. There's diligence, there's restraint. Um, and there we go all into that. And then there's also this leadership dimension of how we lead others. And, you know, our style and our brand of leadership in Christianity, and it's really what Jesus came into the earth and brought um, and it was so contrary to the leadership of the day and the kingdoms of the day, which he exhibits servant leadership. Yeah. So real masculinity is serving. It's serving others. It's serving my family. Um, it's going last to make sure everyone else gets what they need. And I lead by example. Um, the other dimension there after that is communication. It's the way we speak. It's the way we relate to people. Um, you know, Jesus was an amazing communicator with the way he spoke and he cultivated interest and curiosity. And we have to be seekers. We had, he always spoke to the seeker. You know, if you were, I say this in the book and it's just so true of the way the Lord speaks. And even when you read your word, if you're a casual listener and you're just, you just want to come and you just want to eavesdrop for a minute, you're not going to get, it's going to be hidden from you. There's a lot of things wrapped in parables and wrapped in, um, secrets to invoke curiosity, not because he's hiding it from you, he's hiding it for you because there needs to be a search. So that's the communication style. Yeah, that's that's absolutely golden right there. You know, we and I, I think there's so much, um, so much lack maybe of humility 
uh, nowadays to it within men and in the in the groups of men, especially you know in the type A individuals that I hang out with. Um, there's there's almost a lack of humility to say, hey, you know, number one, I don't need I don't know everything, and number two, I'm struggling. And can you speak into my life? Can you help me with this? Uh, and I'm I'm maybe one of the biggest violators of that. You know, it's just that that humbleness has to come first uh, because Christ was humble in everything that he did. Uh, he wasn't, you know, he, he didn't he just wasn't boisterous about everything. He was humble enough. Um, and, and and the parables the parables were really, like you said, they were made to drive um, thought, right? Mm -hmm. Put yourself in those positions, think through it, and not just give you all the answers to the test, right? That's why he spoke in parables. I want you to think about it. I want you to put yourself in those shoes. How would this go for you? What's the next logical steps? Those type of things. So I, I love that, that, that illustration of the parables, but also I want to make sure that we're, we're understanding within ourselves that we, if we have a struggle with humility, we can check that at the door. And we have to have those men in our life uh, to hold us accountable or our feet to the fire, so to speak, to say, hey, if you're struggling, I expect a phone call. I expect an email. I expect a text message to let me know you're struggling. And I'm, I'm going to pick up the rucksack for you and walk it with you. And we'll do this together, right? Yeah, I love it. You know, one of the things you opened with was you talked about leaders are readers. Yeah. And to me, Guy, when you, when you were sharing that, I'm like, you know, guy is committed to growth. And when you're committed to growth, you're a learner. And when you're a learner, you have to be open to correction and you have to be coachable and trainable and teachable. Um, you know, that's the, that's the definition of basically being a learner. Like a disciple is really a disciplined learner is really what we could transliterate that to. Um, you know, and that's someone that knows I don't know it all and I need to be around other people that have another piece. And, you know, what makes Christianity so awesome and it's so different is that it's a body. You know, we're a body of believers and we're not all the same member of the body. It's many membered, it's a many membered body and we all fill in different places. So I can learn from you. Um, there's other guys that I need to learn from, but I need to be teachable. I need to be humble. I need to be um, lowly enough to be able to ask for advice. And there's a lot of guys, unfortunately, and, you know, maybe we were like this more when we were younger, but you know, we, we walk around with the armor on. We keep the mask on. We don't want people to come too close. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a facade to let people know, like, that's our outward projection of strength. But that's definitely not the way of a disciple or the way of a learner. Yeah. Yep. You know, and uh, I, I just recently listened to episode 10 of your podcast, uh, Raising the Standard. Uh, the title of that one was uh, Watch What You Say, Right? Yeah. And the Power of the, uh, of the Tongue. And you talk about you go into the voices in our heads, right? And, and how that sabotages us. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how do we protect against that uh, or battle against that, the, sab the self-sabotage that we have? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, guy, this is really personal for me because, you know, as I step out and, you know, I launched this podcast, Raising the Standard, and even when I decided to put the book out there, you know, you're putting yourself out into the public domain. And when you do that, you're allowing yourself to be open for criticism and you're usually your worst critic. You know, like, what am I doing? How's this going? You know, what are people going to say? What are people going to think? And I found myself, you know, well, first of all, we need to recognize that there's different voices, right? There's our own self-doubt. So we need to recognize our voice. And then we need to be able to recognize the voice of the enemy that wants to sideline us from our purpose and, you know, keep us on the sidelines when we're supposed to be in the game. So once we recognize that, what the Lord showed me, um, just real personal story here, 
I was, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, maybe I was, uh, you know, I got up in the middle of the night and I was just having a hard time going to sleep. And I'm like, I got to record an episode and what am I doing? And like, what's the next one going to be? And sometimes you wake up and I was just like, what are you doing? Like, who do you think you are? Why do you think you can put this out there? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Are you trying to lead a church? Do you think you're a pastor? Like, what is this? Right. And I've done some ministry stuff too, but um, you know, you get those thoughts when I was getting that, I'm like, I know this is not the Lord, right? This is, this is not good. I'm not at peace about this. Um, but right away, the Lord just quickened immediately to my mind, Jeremiah one. And I don't know what time it is. It's the early morning, you know, I don't know, two, three in the morning. And, uh, so I went and I opened my Bible just right on my phone. I'm like, okay, Jeremiah one, let me read this. And, you know, I knew a little bit of the context. That's where Jeremiah is called, you know, he's being called and commissioned as a prophet by the Lord, literally by the Lord right there. I'm calling you to the nations. I'm calling you to be a prophet. Don't look at their faces and, you know, don't be deterred by anything you see, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah's first response to God, like, let's think about this for a minute. He's in an encounter with the Lord. And his first response is, I can't speak. I'm only a youth. He's making excuses when the Lord's commissioning him and empowering him. And by the way, he's not the only one. You know, Moses did this too. And I think a lot of the prophets did this, right? I can't talk. Send somebody else for me. I'm not good enough. Um, but when Jeremiah says it, the Lord corrected his language. And I saw it for the first time probably where he said, do not say you are a youth. Do not say I am a youth. He literally says that. And he's telling them, and I'm watching, he's like, the Lord is correcting what he's saying because what you say you are reflects what you think, reflects what's in your heart. And when you say it and you speak it, there's something about the power of our words. You're coming to a you're coming into an, an agreement with that. So what you say is so powerful. It's so powerful. You know, dads, what we say over our kids, what we say about ourselves, what we say about our wife, even if we're in a fight or we're complaining, watch your words, watch your words with what you say over your life, your children, your family, other people, uh, because you are literally agreeing with that and speaking that into the atmosphere. And it's very powerful. And if it wasn't powerful, I don't think the Lord would have corrected his language. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah, you're right. Moses and others. We find so many, you know, this is again why I love the image of a warrior, because anything anything God wanted to get done in the Bible, he didn't just go pick a warrior. He could have, he had a number of choices of people led armies and all that kind of stuff. He picked ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Yeah. He gave them the ability, the capability, and the words they needed to go do those extraordinary things. And we, we see this so often in so many stories of the Bible. I mean, just look at a, a shepherd boy, David. And how he used him to get done what he needed to get done. It's just, it's it's amazing to me that we don't recognize those things that, hey, you may not think that you're much or you're going to amount to much or you can do much. But listen, God is going to imbue you or, or, or empower you to do what needs to be done for his kingdom. If he's calling you to it, he's going to equip you to do it. And we, we have to remember that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I just feel led to tell your guys now, whoever's watching this live stream, you know, and for those who watch the rerun, this is for you. If you get the replay is that, you know, the Lord has more for us. He has more, you know, guy, what you talked about earlier was you're like, you know, we get this sense of normalcy, like, Hey, this is life. And we're watching a TV. Like we're watching, Hey, that's for guy or that's for Josh. But you know, this is my life. I know what tomorrow's going to look like. I know what the next day is going to look like. And the Lord wants to interrupt our program. And you never know, you know, what I love about 
walking with the Lord is there's this concept of suddenlies. Just it takes one relationship. You know, you and I, we get connected, I don't know, over Instagram, a message or something. And here we are now, you know, months later. But there's a suddenly that happens. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a room or yeah. you find yourself in a situation or you find yourself talking to someone and you don't know how you can shift them into an eternal perspective or how you can shift them or bring impact to that situation you're called to. So, you know, for all the gentlemen that are listening, just be aware that God wants to use you. You know, he really does. And if you make yourself available, it is a wild ride. It's full of adventure. There's some days that feel like it's the same day every day. And then all of a sudden, that suddenly and you're in the room you need to be in. Oh, yeah, that, that's that's just a great way to put it right there. You know, one of the one of the things from our church, one of the things I asked for our mark from our marketing team was I needed uh, cards that just told, you know, show, give me a picture of who the church is and the times of service and location on the back. And I tell you, everybody that I come into contact with, if they're at a low point in their life, which a lot of them are uh, outside of just the routine traffic stops where I have to get your attention and change your behavior, uh, they, they get one of those cards. I don't know who it's for. I don't I don't know who needs it. And I don't know how many of those people show up, but I, I've got it on my heart. It's my mission to make sure they know there is a place and someone who is greater than their situation and will bring them through it. And it's just been such an amazing, amazing uh, way to open doors for people and just open conversation. As a matter yeah. of fact, I, I love it. I love that guy. And you never know when they're going to read it. It could be weeks later. It could get stuck in between the seat and they find it at the right point in time or yeah. it could be immediate. Yeah. Yeah. How many times have you just plopped your Bible down and it opens up just to the right word you need that day, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so many times. Josh, how, uh, tell people, uh, I hope they've all gone to Amazon.com right now and gotten your book, but how can they get your book? Okay, so the book, The Standard, is on Amazon. It's uh, it's available on hard copy. It's also available on Kindle, and I just recorded the audio version of it. So it is available on Audible. If you use Audible and you want to listen to it, I know that frees up a lot of my time in the gym. I'm listening and in the car, I'm listening to books. Um, so that's another option for you. So right now, that's where it is. Um, I also put together something special for your guys here. So I'm going to give you, Guy, I'm going to give you a secret link. Um, we talked about the books written in, you know, six dimensions of masculinity that I cover. And book one is all about self-mastery. Um, I love to give the first 80 pages to your guys. So I'll send you a link. So anyone that's on your list, um, they can access that for free. You know, this is not a money-making endeavor for me. I want to get the message of the standard out. Um, hope it changes you. Share it with someone if it impacts you. And um, I'll let Guy give you more information on how you can access that. And obviously, it's on Amazon and in the public domain as well if you want to own a hard copy for yourself. Yeah, go go grab this book. This is a great companion to the Bible. I'll just tell you that right now. This is a great... I find myself highlighting this, going back to different uh, chapters and just different verses in here, and then going into the Bible, the Word, and just uh, comparing and, and see. And, and it kind of gives me a different color, a different context, a different feeling, quite frankly. So grab, I, I love the, the audio version, but I love, I'm old school, you know, I like to have something in my hand so I can, you know, make those little notes for myself. Uh, and, and it brings me back to a time and a place uh, to remember things that I need to remember in my life. I, I do want to thank you. What what an awesome offer! And you guys and gals, right now, go go over to uh, to the website and log in. You get a free membership. Try out the free membership, and then when you when you log in over there, we'll be able to give you that secret link that Josh is going to give me. Uh, over at protectorstoolkit.com, protectorstoolkit.com. We have a free section of the membership site. 
once you log in there, we'll get your email address and I'll send you that link to get the first portion of that book. You're going to be blown away by this and blessed by this. I just know that. Uh, and then obviously when you see the membership, you're going to be blown away by that too. Um, where, what platforms is your podcast on right now? Yeah, it's on every platform that you listen to. So wherever podcasts are, we're basically on every platform. If you just type in raising the standard, that's the image you're going to get. And, um, you know, the, the episodes are really pack them full. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of strong content in there for men and we're building as we go. It's been in 17 nations already so far we've had downloads from, and, uh, it's really encouraging and inspired from it. And, you know, the one thing I want to say about the book guy is it's an honor that the book is like made an impact on you. Um, I really believe it's just word heavy, right? There's a lot of Bible in it. It's not a book about Josh. So it's not a book about my life. It's not filled with personal stories. It's really a book around Jesus. And that's really what I wanted to showcase and make him real relevant and accessible. Man, that's awesome. And I'll, I'll tell you guys right now, if, if you have 15, 18 minutes in your day, the podcast is well worth it. It's nice and tight and concise, gives you calls to action, things to do, things to think about, to ponder. And uh, you're, you're going to want to re-listen to that because you're, it, it's so so good and, and just chock full of information in that in that time frame that josh has and he, and he just presents it in such a way that's easily digestible that's what i love about it yeah i'm honored i talk fast so you might not be able to listen at 2x the speed but you can probably get through it in 10 minutes at 1.5 i'm a yeah. new yorker i'm from the east coast so you know we talk a little bit faster yeah um but uh yeah if you like the podcast the only thing i would ask you know consider leaving a review and that really helps it get out to more guys so really appreciate this yeah, and if you don't know this, everything that we do, whether it's whether it's this platform, the YouTube platform, the Facebook platform, uh, the podcast platform, everything is driven by algorithms. The more that you comment, the more that you rate and give high ratings, the more that expands and, and, and the reach goes further. And I'll just tell you, as Christians, we need to be reaching everybody. We need to be reaching out. We, uh, again, I said, I said it earlier, we're more connected as a society than we have ever been any, at any point in history, but we're less connected personally and real. So go share everything that Josh does. Go share everything that we do here at Protectors Toolkit. How can people get uh, more information from you, Josh? Yeah, you can just go to standard59.com. That's my website. You can find all my links there, links to the podcast, to the YouTube, to my social profiles. Standard, the number five, nine, just type in standard five, nine. Um, the number's five, nine, and you'll, you'll get there. Awesome. Randy, I see your comment. Hoping to get to 80 pages free. Yeah, go over yep. to protectthekit.com. Uh, sign up for the free membership in there, and we'll get that link sent over to you for sure. Yeah, um, let's hook up, Randy. Yeah. Any, uh, any parting thoughts you have for us, Josh? You know, you just said something about expanding our sphere of influence and sharing and the algorithms and breaking through. So, you know, what that just triggered for me, Guy, is that following Jesus and being a Christian, being a kingdom man, expanding the kingdom of heaven here on the earth is about this command that Jesus gave us before he ascended into heaven, where he said, he said, advance and occupy, do business until I come. He never said retreat. He never said, go hide in a cave, wait for me to come back. He never said stock up on supplies and just be a prepper. I'm not against prepping. That's great. You know, be prepared. However, advance and occupy, do business until I come. So let's advance, let's advance the kingdom of God. Let's show the world what true biblical leadership and biblical masculinity is. Guy, it was an honor to be on your show. Thanks so much, brother. Man, I'm blessed by you, Josh. I, I love our friendship. I, I love, uh, I, the thing I do hate is you're too far away from me. We can't just sit down and have coffee anytime <laughs> we want. Uh, but, 
I love technology. So uh, yeah, we're, we'll continue our friendship over technology for now. I, I hope to convince you to move to Texas uh, yeah. at some point. Uh, all right, Warriors, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I'll just close us out here and give you the calls to action that we need. If you are going to the Security Operations Summit, uh, the the FBN Summit in Houston, please come see me July 23rd at 8.55 a.m. I'm kicking the thing off. I'm going to be the first presenter, uh, at, and I'm going to give you the course Leadership Before Crisis. I'm, again, on Friday, July 23rd at 8.55 a.m. Uh, you won't want to miss that. Don't forget to go over to protectorstoolkit.com and sign up for our membership and we'll give you the first 80 pages of josh's book over there we'll send you the link for that so you can get the sneak peek at what we do over there protectors toolkit and you can be blessed by josh's book um, the one thing we give you back at protectors toolkit is time we sell you the one thing you can't actually buy that's time time back in your day to get done the professional safety and security ministry you want done at your church it's just not haphazard it's not just thrown together go to all of our social media hit likes hit subscribe hit the share button sharing is caring and it advances the kingdom like we should all be doing so make sure you're doing that check out our word and a weapon podcast also check out josh's podcast put both of those in there and you'll be blessed every single day by those uh, we're booking now, obviously, for 2021 live in-person classes. We're booking into the August, September timeframe right now. We're all booked up uh, for the first and second quarter, so hit us up on that. Um, and remember what I say, Warriors, every day.